This is Global Ambitions, your 15-minute window into the minds of localization and international go-to-market experts. Discover how they respond to their biggest challenges. Here's today's host. Hi, my name is Stephanie Harris, and I'll be your host for this episode of Global Ambitions. Our guest today is Kazumori. He's the Japan Marketing Manager at Wix, and he was also a speaker at Worldwide 43 and a guest lecturer at University of Washington. Kazu, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. So our topic today will be marketing localization for the Japanese market. But before we get into that, would you mind telling our listeners a little bit about you and your position at Wix? Okay, so my name is Kazumori, and yeah, I do the general marketing campaigns, localizing them, and also start uh, unique marketing activities in Japan. So jumping right into our first topic, what are some of the big challenges that you see working as a marketing manager for the Japan market? So the marketing localization actually starts even before, you know, the localization process. So before starting the localization, it's important to think strategically and decide whether the specific marketing activity is is relevant for the country. Because marketing localization is a cross-functional effort, and it takes a lot of resources from different departments. And of course, if you want to do it properly. (laughs) Right. (laughs) In my experience, usually uh, localization is done towards the end, and often it's like the final hurdle before the launch of the campaign. So you have people behind your back making sure we don't push back the launch dates. But it also means that you know while you're waiting for the, the content to finalize, you have time to assess the level of localization required for that specific project and specific mm. you know, language and whether you can expect to get like enough results to compensate for that effort. And also, unless the company is just starting out, it's rare that the market penetration and market maturity is aligned globally. So not all activities are suitable for like more mature market or uh, like an emerging market. You need to have a clear understanding of where you stand and what you're hoping to achieve, like brand awareness or acquisition, in order to do a, like a proper localization. So it's, it's really much more than a translation. So when you're looking at the market and sort of analyzing what needs to be done, what are some of the big things that you see pop up often? So people talk about like cultural relevancy and expectancy when we talk about marketing localization. Mm-hmm. Like for example, <laughs> uh, back to school sale in the summer doesn't make sense in Japanese or Japan because the new school year doesn't start, you know, it usually starts in the spring. And they're in like a summer vacation, so they probably don't want to go back to school. And of course, everyone knows that there are different like seasonal holidays, like like midsummer in Sweden or like Korean Thanksgiving, or I think it's called Autumn Eve. Eve. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you also need to understand how people behave differently. Like, I don't want to generalize, but in some countries, holiday really means holiday, and they don't check their inbox (laughs) Uh, yeah so and talking about like behaviors I did a presentation about like consumer behavior I did a presentation about Japan and Germany market entry with my German colleague in July oh nice 
Yeah, while we were researching the difference between Japan and Germany, we actually kept finding more and more similarities. And like, I can't share the, uh, the actual data, but when we looked at, like, for example, like the performance of the email campaign or uh, like a registration and like a participation rate for an event, there were like really significant similarities that I wasn't aware of. So yeah, that was like a really big surprise for us. So you kind of have to take and understand those behaviors and adjust the marketing campaigns accordingly. Yeah. One question I might have would be, how do you go about that research? Do you really need to speak with people on the ground? Can you do it a lot remotely? How, how do you find out those differences or similarities? In, in my opinion, I think every, everything starts with consumer research. Yeah, so, so marketing is really like a trial and error. You know, sometimes you're sure about, you know, what you're doing and it ends up, you know, not as successful as you wished. And, but that's not a failure. You always learn from your experience. And in terms of localization, you really have to do a test. Again, you have to understand the cultural aspect, but you know, if you really want to be detailed, for example, there's a way to say 50% off. And there's also a way to say half price. Which one is more relevant and which one is, you know, will have more result? Like, no one knows, right? <laughs> so you kind of have to test it and test it yourself and not just make assumptions. Mm -hmm. So it's really like, you know, it's, it's a trial and error in my opinion. Yeah. Do you have any cases from your experience going to the Japanese market in particular where you tested out something and you could explain maybe a little bit that whole process for our listeners? Yeah. So last year, we had a chance to do an eight-year anniversary campaign because Wix officially launched in Japan on, I think, December 2012. And I wasn't the originator of this campaign, but somebody else came to me and said, hey, hey do you want to do an eight-year anniversary? And I said, yeah, sure, I'd love to. But then when I thought about it, eight years is is an interesting anniversary. <laughs> it's not five years or ten years, it's eight years. So I kind of had to find a way to make it work conceptually. Mm -hmm. So we know that using success stories work very well in Japan. It's a really good way to gain trust as a company, especially for like foreign corporations entering into Japan market. So we decided to select eight different users from different areas of profession and showcase their story. And since number eight is uh, culturally considered to be a good number in Japan, that signifies suehirogari, which means expansion or to scale. Uh, and it also looked like an infinity mark when you turn it sideways, which is also recognized in Japan. So. We decided to use, you know, the message of infinite possibility to scale your business online and kind of tied that into the uh, design of the campaign. And uh, it worked very well. And also a few years ago, we did a creative marketing campaign with Manchester City in which the players unbox like amusing and innovative products sold on Wix's e-commerce platform. And I think we localized it to, I think, eight languages including Japanese and 
it was it really was a no-brainer for European and South American languages uh, but it was a surprise for some people in the company that soccer is popular in Japan and also like uh, e-commerce sector in Japan is thriving and we see a big opportunity so it was very relevant for Japan do you have any examples of mistakes that you've seen people make when marketing a new product in Japan that you could give as kind of like a warning? So we went to Japan and we uh, arranged a meeting with like companies, like international companies going into Japan and you know, those ones that were successful and talk about market entries and what was a mistake and what was successful. And uh, one of the things that, that really stuck with me was that one of them said, you should never try to change how people live in Japan. You shouldn't force change, but, if, mm. but you know, change must occur inside your company. That was like, one of the most important lessons I learned. Because Japanese people, well, I don't want to say conservative, so uh, according to a research done in 2017 by an American Express, 56% of the Japanese consumers answered uh, they will take their business elsewhere after one bad service experience. So you really have like a one chance to make a good impression. And according to another research by Edelman Trust Barometer, Japanese people don't trust business in general like that yeah so the trust in business is very low and that's more prevalent uh, for like foreign unknown companies so does that fact that the japanese population in general are more distrusting of companies affect anything in how you market so forcing a change to the japanese people is is the wrong approach uh, you really have to adapt and provide something that's that truly valuable to the to the consumers. Otherwise, they will not pay attention and open their wallet. And also, something to consider is that uh, there are many local competitors in Japan, and they can also always choose choose them over you if you don't adopt. Of course, in, like in terms of localization quality, you, you can't beat local service made by local people for the local people. So yeah. Is there anything else in regards to marketing in general that you would like to share or give some insights on for our listeners? So I have one of the advice that I have is don't measure translation quality only by accuracy. So the people who are like listening to this podcast, I'm sure are aware of the importance of trans creation and more and more agencies are capable of delivering translation with flexibility and copy like writing in mind so rather than like rambling on about it maybe i'll give you like one interesting example i think is it's one of the great trick that translator pulled so in japan fast food the word fast food is often translated as first food fasto food which means first food and mm -hmm. since english words are translated phonetically in japanese fast is pronounced more like first with the, like a British accent like fa fast <laughs> right <laughs> so we don't know if this is a mistake or intentional but I want to believe that you know the fast food company entering into Japan market intentionally used first in order to make like a more sophisticated impression and I, I think it worked really well because you know fast food chains 
were first introduced in Japan in, I think, in the 70s. And、really? some people still use first food over like 50 years later. So, you know, yeah, I think that was like, it really shows the power of, in this case, mistranslation, but how translation can really impact the, the marketing. Yeah. And of course, I'm not encouraging you to be like overly creative. <laughs> you really shouldn't be, but you know, yeah.、Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, another advice is to have a second set of skill in addition to localization. In my case,、uh, it's, uh, it's graphic design and audio video production. For example, I was working on the new YouTube ad we we're creating、mm. and checking the voiceover done by the Japanese voice actress. And、mm. uh, it's extremely hard to give an accurate Uh, instruction on how to match the audio and visual to somebody who doesn't speak the language. So I just do it myself. It's just much faster and it's, it's worse if it's like a longer video. One time I was editing like a subtitle to a 45 minute long video and it was hard enough to do it myself and So, it would be a nightmare if I had to ask someone else to adjust the timing. So, yeah, so this is a really useful skill if you're in like a marketing, like international marketing. It's much more productive and less stressful. Coding is another useful secondhand skill to have. And of course, project management skill because localization is a cross functional effort. And you'll most likely be working with other departments and translation agencies. So, it's very.、Mm-hmm. Uh, Important skill to have. Well, it looks like we're coming to the end of our time here. So I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us on the show. It has been a real pleasure to talk with you. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to Global Ambitions. Subscribe at globalambitions.net or wherever you get your podcasts.